How can I hate someone and still want to go on a fishing trip with them? How can I hate someone and still long for them to teach me how to open the door for a woman maybe one day when I have a date? How can I hate someone and still long for them to hug me and say, son, it's going to be all right. I know what they did to you at school or you're going through this problem. But I was feeling that I was conflicted. I, I, I hated this person that I longed for. And, and that's what led me to trying to numb the pain. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Trevor Talks, you know, the place where we talk to real people about real topics and real stories and maybe a little bit of uh, nitty-gritty in between. But today, I've got my guy Brian Lane in the passenger seat to help me navigate this conversation. Brian, you doing all right, man? I'm doing good, man. It's good to see you. Dude, it's good to see you looking uh, looking all shabby with that uh, 116 shirt on. wonder where you got that thing from, huh? I don't know, man. I <laughs> bought it off a homeless guy for like five bucks. No, you yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But today's guest is a Dove Award winning artist with way too many accolades to list. He's the lead singer, songwriter, and founding member of the hard rock band Seventh Day Slumber. And he's also the founder of Teen Hope Line and Rockfest Records. Y'all help me welcome Mr. Joe Rojas. Joe, welcome to the show, bro. Yeah, What's up, dude. <laughs> dude, it's so good to finally have you on. It's been a long time coming, man. I know, man. I should have did this when you did that. <laughs> Stupid, nice, bro. Man, there's, I, I think I got a crowd over here. I don't know if you can actually hear it, nah, but I think I, I don't know. I, I I don't know which one it is, so I'm not going to push the button. It could be well, like some- every now and then you may hear this go off. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm kidding, man. It's good to be, dude. Thanks for having me, man, on the podcast. I honestly can't think of a better time to do this interview. You guys just put out "Death by Admiration," right? Probably the best record you've done this far, and I obviously want to talk about it a bunch in this interview. It's kind of why we're doing it, but also you just did the first music video as a band in over ten years, dude. Yeah, like, man. you just put out the best record of your career. And you just put out the first music video in 10 years. So how are you feeling about all this, dude? It's like one after the other. You guys are working hard to get this stuff out. Well, I appreciate you saying that. To me, it is my favorite record. And uh, it's kind of a, (laughs) you know, uh, it's the record I had the least to do with. And people are saying it's your best record. (laughs) So it's like, but but I can be proud of this because um, I'm still a huge part of it because my seed is the one who wrote a whole lot of this. My son, Blaze, um, he wrote about 70% of the melodies of the record. I wrote about 30% of the melodies and then we wrote 50, 50, the lyrics. And then Weston Evans, our guitar player, who is a monster, um, in just in all areas, not just guitar playing, but, he does some amazing production and just a just a great uh, musician and visionary. Um, so with him and Blaze together, uh, along with some of me in there, um, I feel like it's still Seventh Day Slumber because Blaze is my son. He's grown up around his daddy his whole life and heard my music. Were you know in his. Uh, in his ears all the time. So, but it's, it's seven day summer, but it's this fresh new approach that Blaze and Weston bring to it. And 
man, I, I'm so excited. Every time I listen to it, I'm like, wow, this is it's not like so far off from Seven Day Slumber that you don't you're not going, dude, this doesn't sound like Seven Day Slumber, but it's so fresh and so new that you're like, man, this you know, this is a very, very polished version of the band and fresh, fresh new approach. So I, I'm I appreciate you saying that. Once again, it is my favorite record. A lot of people love it, and there's so much more to come. It actually made me more excited about music again. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we never stopped releasing records over all these years. Like we have records almost every year, every couple of years. So it's not like we stopped releasing records. Seven Day Slumber isn't living off of Caroline, despite what uh, a couple of people have written on Facebook. You know, you guys are just living off of Caroline. Well, you must not have been following along because, you know, we've had several Billboard records mm-hmm. and and stuff just over the past few, three four years but at the end of the day um i'm all about uh pushing pushing myself and and blaze did that with these melodies he really pushed me yeah. on the vocals how did that even start like obviously blaze is your son weston's a close friend and a member of the band with and them he's coming from my hometown in. victoria texas West Shout out to Victoria, Texas. Shout out to V-Town. But how did they become such a force to be reckoned with? Like, you obviously have poured a lot into them, but they kind of just took the bull by the horns on this thing. And it's not only that you're shifting, like, pushing the boundary between, like, what can Christian music sound like? But this is a hard rock record, but the lyrics are so so vulnerable, and it does sound different than a lot of the stuff you've done in the past. And it's definitely something to be proud of. But how did... Weston and Blaze come into the picture with just grabbing this thing and creating it with you with it turning out to be death by admiration. Well, Weston is his writing style um, is, is or was completely different than what you're hearing on death by admiration. Um, There was some honing and there was some, you know, just some input with him, but he like writes a lot of prog stuff and like, really difficult stuff that musicians would go, Oh dude, that's really, really awesome. But the average person would go, this is confusing. I don't understand it. It's like a math problem in music and, and he's just amazing. But, um, we, you know, I, I've Weston is somebody who I've always thought had a ton of potential to be a songwriter, not just a touring musician, and obviously we brought him out. We, he was our tech. He was a guitar tech and, um, he toured with spoken for one tour on the city rock fest tour. That's how we met him. Um, we had spoken out on the city rock fest tour and, you know, Weston's from my hometown of Victoria, like I said. And so I, I immediately took to the dude, but, um, but he spoken, went home and Matt was like, man, we're probably not going to be doing anything for a couple months. And I said, well, Weston asked if he wanted, if he could come out and even tech for us because we had a guitar player at the time. Marco was playing for us, who's now playing bass for Disciple and who's the lead guitar player for Amongst the Giants. And so um, Weston came out. Long story short, we loved him. We poured into him and he just really became this amazing touring musician. But I felt like there was more. And and so I just kept telling him to send me stuff and he wouldn't take it harshly when I'd say, mm, that's not it, Weston. 
or that's not it, Weston. This doesn't sound like what we're doing. It's really cool for Prague stuff or whatever it is you're doing, but not for us. But anyway, that's how – and he just honed it. He Like, he wanted it. He wanted it, and he is moldable, and he just went hard. And then Blaze and, – and also Weston is a very, like – you know, he understands being real. Mm. He understands not being fake. And he wants to write about real things that people that actually matter and um, and not just show off his guitar skills. That's the thing that really got me the most. Like the dude is the best guitar player or at least one of the top best best guitar players that I know. And he doesn't care that you think he's the best. Obviously, everybody wants to be complimented. But he wants to do something meaningful. That's what hit me. So not only is he the sickest guitar player out there and an amazing producer as well, but he he wants to do something meaningful. And the same thing with my son, Blaze. And I could brag on him for being my son, but take that aside. This yeah. kid is one of the sickest drummers I've ever played with. Um, I would say he is the sickest drummer I've ever played with. No offense to you know other Seventh Day Slumber drummers, but um, but he he wants to do something meaningful, something that matters, something that echoes into eternity. Those are the things that I feel like God God honors that, and and that's how this ended up happening. And then Blaze started coming to me with melodies like before this record. He came to me. When, with the song Man Down. Um, and those lyrics made me cry, dude. Like, grown man cry, dude. Yeah. And I was like, wow. And so Josiah Prince and I got with Blaze and we finished the song Man Down. That was on the Closer to Chaos album. Which, but, Man Down, like, even the music video behind that will jerk some tears from your eyes, man. Yeah, like, it's deep, It's vulnerable. Man. It's vulnerable. And a lot of the record like basically all of the record that you just put out is super vulnerable as well. You guys tackle suicidal ideation, addiction, just um, people losing faith. There's so many vulnerable things that jump in your ears when you listen to this. And Weston and Blaze are obviously super gifted in what they're doing, but they're also young, like what, 19, 20-ish, right? Yeah, uh, Blaze is 20 and uh, Weston is 22. So... And that says a lot about you, like being able to step back and let the guys do what they want to do and just come back and build a collective around it. You you do have a track record of building into these young musicians, though. So there had to be somebody that like or maybe there was a lack of um, in your life. When did you really start to take these young musicians and be like, you know what? These guys are the next generation. I want I want them to lead the charge. I don't want to get left behind. Yeah, well, I think that you you touched on it. There was a lack of that in my life. I didn't have anybody to do that for me. I didn't have anybody that that gave a crap about me, man. Like in as far as a a, a male role model in my life, um, you know, I had a stepdad, but he was real rough around the edges. Now I love him. Don't get me wrong, and we have a great relationship now. But um, but he um, wasn't you know, he wasn't a role model to me. And, um, and so my dad wasn't in my life at all. Um, my dad left when I was just like four years old. He, and 
So I don't have a lot of memories of my dad other than him beating on my mom. Um, And so I know that there are people out there that, that need guidance. And so, and, and support and, and my wife and I have, have been like foster parents to a lot of, a lot of these people. Now, obviously Blaze is my son and I made sure that even him, Caden and Sage, that they would never, ever have to question whether their daddy loves them. They would never have to question like, is daddy going to come home or is daddy whatever? Cause my kids have been on the road with me since they were born. Yeah. And my wife, Lori has, um, but Weston has a good dad. Um, but, but what I'm able to do for Weston is something, um, that, you know, that his dad doesn't necessarily do, which is the music industry side of it. Uh, his dad's an awesome dad, great man. Um, but the music industry side, I, there's a lot of pitfalls. And so his dad trusts, uh, me with, with their son, uh, for a year, for several years now. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, and a lot of times the family that builds you up, like they don't have to be blood. Like you get, you do have the opportunity to pick like, hey, this dude's cool. I really want to consider them family. And that's something like even Brian here, like that's something you do pretty really well too is like you've had, like you have a daughter, but you also have an adopted daughter and you've been an amazing light for me and my life, dude. Like that's something you can relate with heavily. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I think that's really important is for people like Joe and I to be out there in society, because when I was coming up, there was never that opportunity, that space, so to speak. And that's what I'm hearing you uh, or what I'm hearing you're saying, Joe, as far as like you're creating space, a safe space for people to explore their their life, figure it out and not be forced or rushed into anything. But when there's something needed, you're there to give that guidance and that advice. And that's a beautiful thing. There's so little of that and there needs to be a whole lot more. So that's really awesome. And that's something that I practice personally in my own personal life is uh, uh, trying to create like that space. Like, dude, if you don't want to work, if you don't want to do, maybe you're not this liberal, but I am when it comes to that. Like, you don't want to rush out and get a job. You don't want to rush out. Figure out what it is that you want. Don't go out making a bunch of mistakes. If you're going to make a mistake, make sure that you make a calculated mistake so that it leads to a better decision later on. And uh, yeah. those that's important, man. That's important. Well, I'm Mexican, so my kids better work. They better work. <laughs> I'm yeah. always me and Every Brian talking about it. Old, I got them mowing the yard, dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I don't mind. Like, do <laughs> no, stuff I'm like, kidding. Oh no, no, that's so, that's so true. But like, I think you teach them work ethic. Like, when you do get a job, guess what? You're gonna pay. You're gonna yeah. do stuff. You're gonna learn. We're gonna teach you how to do it. My my daughter was uh, learning how to pay bills here recently, and uh, she wanted to just put it on auto pay, and I'm like, nah. You're calling in there. You're giving them that number. You're going to make this process. And, you, and then once you get that down, then you can put it on auto pay, teaching yeah. them the process. Yeah. But yeah. Yeah. Man. Important, man. These, there's just a lot of, but there's a lot of kids too, that they've got a mom and dad, but they don't have guidance. Their yeah. mom and dad are so busy, like checking Facebook and posting about the perfect family picture oh look hey honey get in this picture real quick so i can show everybody that we went to the beach even though you didn't spend two minutes with your kid at the beach 
Or you know, everybody's complaining and griping right before the photo snapped and everybody's yeah. smiling during the photo, but the, the pain and the process that went into getting that photo, yeah, we'll ever know. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Like I was reading a post the other day and somebody uh, beautifully articulated like, yeah, Facebook and everything has done a great job of like letting us get connected with people that we haven't seen in a while. But like pretend we're in a room right now having a face to face conversation with you connecting with those people. You're missing out on the people that are right in front of you. Like your phone is blocking your peripheral vision with the people that are right in front of your eyes uh, sitting at the dinner table, talking to your best friend from high school while your kids sitting over here suicidal or your husband's thinking about having an affair or your wife, whatever, you know, yeah. like social media is excellent. I'm not bashing it, but there's gotta be a fine line drawn, you know, like, and I'm not a father. So like going back to what Brian was saying, like, yeah, I want to provide a safe space and like not make, uh, make a good job right now. And I'm like, well, I guess I could be an honorary Mexican in some sort because I'm like, bro, they come out of the womb, they're working and I'm not a yeah. husband or anything yet. So, you know, well, but that's just my mindset. That's how I was raised. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously there's two different contexts going on here, you know, like the context in which he's helping people versus the context bring like adopting kids and, and stuff like that. But it's all the same nonetheless in the, in the sense that you're providing Joe, what a lot of people only wish they could have. And for, for you to be a father figure and an influence in somebody's life like that, to give them the opportunity to feel valued, but also to feel validated, to be seen yeah. and to be heard and to be commissioned with purpose. That's awesome. Yeah. It's commendable, well, man. That's I appreciate amazing. I appreciate that. You know, man, I will say like this industry is a dirty industry, man. This industry, when we call it even the quote unquote Christian music industry is man, it's, it's preaching brutal. Of fire, bro. They'll cut brutal, your throat. Man. They'll and, cut your throat right open. Yeah, no, it's brutal, man. And the worst part about it is, you know, that you are trusting someone because they said Jesus, because, you know, they're, they're supposed to be Christian and, you know, and you're like, yeah, I would rather you steal from me. And I knew it was coming. than you tell me, you know, all about your Bible study and all the people you prayed for. Then all of a sudden, all the while you're draining my bank account or you're stealing my publishing or you're like, Run. I could go on and on and on. And that's why, you yeah. know, look, this, this, but, but then there's another side to it too that artists don't realize is that when you do, because I've been on labels for many years, like real ones, you know, and, and so, um, not cash money records, you know, or whatever. <laughs> I'm talking about not that actually cash money records is a real record label. But yeah. Those you, are yeah, Lil yeah. Wayne's label, ain't it? Yeah. 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 <laughs> pick a different, pick a different one. Big bling records, you know, Thank you know. <laughs> and so, and they're selling stuff out of their car. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that's right. cool. I, I respect the hustle, but I'm talking about major labels, EMI, Capital, Warner brothers, word entertainment, tooth right. and nail, BEC, Rockfest, like real labels, Universal Music Group. Shameless so, plug. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so I see the pitfalls, man. I've seen them. And so, uh, and I've seen what real stealing from a band looks like. And so if you're a band who's never seen that, then, and, so, and then the, your career doesn't take off the way you thought it 
was supposed to because you felt like you were God's gift to the industry. See, right. we got a part to play too as artists. Like, you know, you don't you don't deserve anything in this industry. It I, I worked from the sun up to sundown to get where I'm at. Nobody gave me anything. I didn't have a rich mom. I didn't have a rich dad. I didn't have a, you know, I worked my butt off to get where I'm at, but I had people legit steal from me because I didn't know the industry at when I first started. And so, um, so what I feel like we're able to do as a label and as me being an artist as well is help those bands from the Rockfest tours to the small town America tours to the all the tours that we have the recovery tour that we've put together and the Rockfest label and Nashville label group we've been able to help these bands give them deals that I never got when I was signing but if you're not careful you know they'll think that you're that too because they don't really understand what real stealing from you is and and uh, as opposed to your career not taking off the way you thought it was and, you know, why didn't I get a check for 15000 last month? Well, it's because you literally have 5,000 streams a month, you know, mm-hmm. like, but if we keep working hard, we'll get there. And so these are the things that I feel like that I'm able to do for a lot of these young artists is to be real with them, be honest with them. I'm not going to sugarcoat it, but at the same time, I'm here when you fall to let you know that you're loved, that it's all is not lost, that we can just do the next right thing. And we're going to continue to build. It's not over. And um, yeah, and it's important, you know, that these, that they, they know that because it's a cutthroat industry. Well, I'm still trying to scratch my head at the statement you made a minute ago. And that is, Somebody stole from you. When I look at you, you're somebody I would think twice about stealing from. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I mess with Joe. they must have been like on drugs or something, you know, or. Well, I'll tell you a story and this yeah. is going to put me on front street. Um, I'm all ears. All right. Now, listen, I've never told this story on a podcast before. Uh Oh, so, uh, so listen, some, I, I signed a deal with a label. Now, this was years ago, right? Like 20 years ago or like, yeah, something like that. I'm not going to give you the exact how many years ago it was. Okay. But I signed a deal and, um, and I, it was major distribution. It was a beautiful deal. And I had to come up with $30,000, right? So for the deal, like basically, I got an amazing deal, but I had to pay for my own marketing. And I was happy with that because it was like a pass-through deal. And I didn't have to sign my publishing away. I didn't have to do anything. So I was new. Like in this industry, I hadn't made no money. I had just – I was living in an apartment. My wife and I, Blaze was just born. And so anyway, um, I borrowed – my mom – is she's a single mom raised two boys on her own. She took out her 401k basically. So that way I could use that money. And she believed in seven day slumber that much. And that money, um, I signed it over. I put it in that escrow account. That money was stolen. It was my mom's money. You got to remember, I'd only been a Christian at that point, like just a few years Couple so like, years, a few, yeah, a few years. So, um, 
here's the story uh, that I never told nobody. They haven't seen or heard from them since. Well, no, yeah, no. <laughs> they haven't done that since. Is I'll tell you that. Shovel in here somewhere to signify where you buried this guy? <laughs> no, but listen, my mom is everything to me. She's the only one that ever loved me properly, right? Uh, until I met my wife, you know. And so, um, no, they. I got a call from somebody at that office and said, "Hey, man, I'm sorry to inform you, but." Your money was stolen, and the so-and-so that stole it is no longer here, but we don't have your money. And I told them, you got to remember, I'm still a new Christian at this point. Right. I told them that they had about five minutes to come up with my money or that I would be at that place, and I'm willing to risk my salvation. And and, and and basically, I said, I'm coming with a bat. Yeah. And I was dead serious. Now, I I did get a call back in 5 minutes and miraculously miraculously my money had appeared and um and there was actually a good man there that um that did something amazing for me and uh and he is still a good friend of mine to this day but um but anyway yeah, so that's it. I've never told that story, but that money came back to my mom. Um, and then it wasn't long after that that we ended up getting a deal with um, – I got a call from Brandon Ebel over at Tooth & Nail. And uh, Brandon was like, hey, man, I've been watching you guys, and I uh, I want to offer you a deal. And we ended up signing to Tooth & Nail EMI at that time. Wow. Anyway – I'm a little embarrassed to tell that story because it makes me sound like, like I'm just a bad person. But at the end of the day, yeah. And and that's not (laughs) the case. Like, you know, I felt bad after I said the things I said, but like I said, I was still a new Christian. This was 20 years ago. And I was like, it was my mom's life savings. You know what I mean? Right. right. And dude, I, I was ready to, I was ready to, you know, I, I was ready to at least destroy the office. I'm going to be honest with you. I was at least going to destroy the office, and I was probably going to go to jail. Yeah. Um, but there's I no, mean, like, it's your mom's really, money. at the end of the day. That's my mom's money, dude. Don't mess with my mom's money. At the end of the money. day, I don't care how long of a Christian you've been. I mean, even Jesus went in and flipped some tables, right? So, like, <laughs> yeah. Started, like, cracking well, whips at people. So, I mean, come on yeah. now. Yeah, you I don't know. I don't we're know if I compare that. that to this, but yeah. at the same time, <laughs> I mean, it's, we're not thanks for having Georgia. my back. Though. Yeah, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like, I don't think I'd have handled any any better. I would have probably been like, uh, I'd, I'd still, you know, I'd still be in prison today. Well, I, I mean, would just yeah. through my mentality. Yeah. Uh, Trevor, pretty, what do you think, man? We're not it's endorsing it. We're not endorsing it. But you know what? I mean. You mess with Joe's mama's money, like yeah, I you can't, mess with anybody's mama's money, man. I can't. Mess. That's not a it's joke, like that, man. It's like that Doritos commercial, like don't mess with my mama, don't mess with my Doritos. Like that's <laughs> what I think of, and I wouldn't no, like think twice about messing with Joe. And you're not, you're not telling a bad story. You're just letting people know, like you know what, this happened, and this is where yeah, I come from. Way, but I might still do it. By the way, there's there's a there's an element of vulnerability when you when you share stories like that. So and it's also about progression and that you're human. You're sharing your human experience. That doesn't and, and, and I just want to clarify, we don't we're not 
putting out there that Joe Rojas is some kind of gangster Suge Knight or anything like and that. And I'm not going to go out there and bang somebody's office yeah. up. I was yeah. that was 20 years ago, and I'm taking a chance that someone's not going to like me anymore because of a story 20 years ago. But at yeah. the same time, I can yeah. give you worse stories than that that you won't like me. You're going to decide for yourself whether you like me. All I know is that Jesus loves me, and that's good that's enough right. for me. That's right. That's right. And that's the, the whole essence of uh, Trevor's podcast is is highlighting those things. And But the, the, the flawed aspects of our character, and that wasn't even a flaw. That's a reaction to something that called for justice. So, like, but the fact that you're able to share that with us, it, it lets anybody who's out there, you know, who may be struggling or had just come out of a situation similar where they lost or cool about something justified or unjustified that, Hey, it happens to every one of us and we all move on we grow, we learn. Yeah, definitely. Well, I've definitely grown since then. And, you know, I still honestly, now I don't say uh, I'm not, um, I'm obviously not in the, it, it, I, my, my life has changed since then. It's been 20 years and I've grown as a, I'm, I'm a ma- more mature. I still like anybody else get angry at stuff, especially when it comes to my family. My family is everything to me. I had nothing, man. Like uh, my mom was the only one who I had. I was a drug addict with no hope in my life. I've been in and out of jails, institutions, locked up from Texas to California, Man, I hated myself. There wasn't a day that went by that I didn't think about taking my own life. And so to have a mom that is that never left you when everybody else did, that's what I should have started with on the context of this story. Like, that's someone who never left me when everybody else turned their back on me. She was the one to come to visit me when I was locked up. She's the one that found me on the streets of Austin, Texas, when I was homeless, living in an alleyway, eating out of garbage cans. It was my mom who was there through it all. It was my mom who was Jesus to me when I didn't believe that there was a God. It was my mom who loved me into the arms of a living God when I thought even if there was a God, which I didn't believe there was, what would he want with someone like me? But my mom was Jesus to me. And so, yeah, I didn't I didn't handle that the right way. And thank God it didn't. I believe God protected me from that situation because I would have gone on there with a bat and busted the whole place up because it was my mom's money they stole. I didn't care. I don't care. You could steal from me. Uh, people steal from me all the time. I mean, there's a record label that owes me $300,000 right now. But at the end of the day, I'm not going in with no bats. I'm not going in. It's, it's, you can steal from me. God is my provider. He's my source. And so there's nothing that you can take from me or cancel me out of that that God um, can't give me back tenfold. You know, yeah. I'm not worried about it. You don't provide for me. God does. So I'm not worried about that. This was just more about the respect factor and the and for my mom. Yeah. Put some respect on my mom's name. Hey, yeah. hey, what's your what's your mom's name, Joe? Mary. Mary Rojas. Mary Rojas. This this episode is going out to Mary. That's what Shout I'm saying. Mary, Mary Rojas Mary. and Mary Nickel, because we love her too. Ooh, we love Mary Nickel. <laughs> we, we love, love Mary. Mary Nickel. Yes. Dude, I always love watching her Instagram post. Dude, come on. And yeah. hearing this story just opens up a whole other can of worms in my mind. Like, I want to hear the whole story, Joe. Like, before you found Christ, like, obviously the moment that you had in the ambulance, but I just believe, like, for people that maybe they haven't heard of Seventh Day Slumber, Rockfest Records, or even you, Joe, like, I want everyone to hear how impactful that God has been in your life. Like, when Jesus came into your life, it was a complete 180. It took time, obviously, 
But yeah, you being locked up from Texas to California, that's just not something you say. Like it's actually something that happened. Addiction almost stole your life. Suicidal ideation almost stole your life. Would you mind sharing like as much as you feel led to on your story into becoming the guy that you are today? Well, I think there's a lot of people that have a similar story and a lot of them are are ashamed to to tell it because they're afraid that maybe people will walk away. People that maybe are hanging on by a thread uh, at their church or at their whatever. And if they knew that about me, there's no way they, you know, I'm trying to get them to like me as it is and they don't even know. And so for me, I just feel like I'm going to have to, I'm going to let the cards fall where they may because I'm tired of trying to make people like me. I'm tired of trying to fit in with a bunch of people that I'll probably never fit in with anyway. And so if I can just let it all out now, then I know the ones that stayed are the real ones. And so, um, but most importantly, hopefully it would help somebody that's struggling in their own life to realize that there really is this living God who has a plan for you. It's more than just some cool little Bible story that weak-minded people tell themselves to get through the day about their imaginary friend in heaven up in the clouds. There really is a God. He really is mighty in battle. He really is a loving God. He really does hold you, hold the broken in his arms and, and heal broken hearts. He really is that God who can uh, deliver you from your addictions, restore marriages. And I've seen him, you know, do the most amazing things being, being a drug addict. And I started using drugs when I was drugs and alcohol when I was 12 years old, because I wanted to fill this void. I was empty. I didn't know what it was. I didn't know how to fill it. I didn't know what I was missing. I was just empty, man. My dad wasn't in my life. I told you the last memory of my dad was him beating on my mother. He was, I still remember the anxiety from being three and a half, four years old. I still remember that anxiety of seeing my mom bleeding, hearing her screaming. And it's crazy because, you know, I'm in my forties now. And so to be able to still feel that anxiety is something that, man, like it's hard to explain. Um, But throughout that time, I still wanted a dad. I still wanted my dad. It's crazy. Like, this is the craziest part about this is how can you long for someone that you hated? I was longing for someone and at the same time hated them for what they did to my mom and what they did to me by leaving me and leaving my brother. But I was still longing for you. How can I hate someone and still want to go on a fishing trip with them? How can I hate someone and still long for them to teach me how to open the door for a woman maybe one day when I have a date? How can I hate someone and still long for them to hug me and say, son, it's going to be all right. I know what they did to you at school or you're going through this problem. But I was feeling that. I was conflicted. I I I hated this person that I longed for. and And that's what led me to trying to numb the pain, whatever it is I could get my hands on, whether it was drugs, alcohol, messing with girls, the the stealing, robbing, I mean, trouble. Um, I broke into my first home when I was nine years old because I wanted to, there was some older kids there and I wanted to impress them. And I wanted a dad, I wanted a father figure. And, um, and so anyway, 
you know, by the age of 14, cocaine became my, that was my drug of choice. Like that was my jam. And so, um, it got out of control. My mom was putting me in behavioral centers. I was in trouble with the law. I was, uh, you know, juvenile stuff, uh, you know, and until 18 and then I was locked up in big boy jail. And so, uh, but or around there, um, but my mom like was hurting for me so badly that she finally went to church with a, I don't even know who it was. Somebody invited her to the church that, uh, the place where they raised their hands in the, the crazy people over there by the airport in <laughs> Victoria, Texas. And they raised their hands during praise and worship. And so my mom, um, I'm going to make this statement and then I'm gonna have to clarify it. But my mom risked hell to see me saved. All right. So I'm going to tell you what this means. My mom risked hell to see me saved. That don't even sound right, Joe. Uh, like in our family, you're born Catholic. Like you don't have a choice. You could say, I told my mom, I don't even believe in God. She said, I don't care. You're an atheist Catholic, you know, but you're Catholic. You're born Catholic. My mom was born Catholic. She didn't have no choice. But my mom was also told that if she went to any other church outside of the Catholic denomination, that she was going to lose her soul. And she believed every bit of that. And so even when I was younger, I wanted to go to this Christian camp. I wasn't even a Christian dude, but it was this guitar player friend of mine named David. He was a sick guitar player. I wanted to be like him other than the whole Christian thing. But even that I was willing to fake if I had to just to be around this dude. He's such a sick guitar player. He invited me to a Christian camp or like a Baptist camp. My mom didn't want me to go because, and here's her son all out on dope and messing around. And there's a chance I could get better. But because she didn't want me to lose my soul, if one day I decided to be, you know, believe in God, she didn't let me go. And and then that she did later down the road, but um, she was really worried about it. My mom really believed that she was going to lose her soul. But anyway, here I am locked up in big boy jail, doing all this dirt, doing messed up stuff. I was, she had to come visit me in hospitals with Nike imprints on my face from f- getting jumped or fighting and all the different things that um, dislocated jaw, the whole thing, man. And Anyway, my mom um, finally went to church with this lady because she was so desperate for help for me to get help that she went to church with this lady. And my mom risked going to hell so her son could be saved, so their son's life could be saved because my mom really believed that she could lose her soul. But instead of losing her soul, my mom found her savior. And my mom had an encounter with Jesus and she gave her life to the Lord. And that began the journey, even my journey, because my mom would then at that point, she would be talking about Jesus, speaking the blessings of God over my life, praying over me. She'd go to the visit me when I was locked up. She'd talk on that nasty phone through the nasty glass, you know, telling me God has a plan for you, mijo. That means my son. God has a plan for you, mijo. He has a plan. He loves you. He loves you. You don't have to die a drug addict, mijo. God has a plan for you. Is Was there a, a point in your journey? I mean, for me personally, having had a similar experience coming up, but I always had this sense of purpose, even in my disparity or in my despair. I always felt like there's more to this. 
But then yeah. at the same time, I never felt like I was going to get better. Like, is there, is there a breaking point in, in which I'm going to get better? So my question to you is this, in that journey, could you ever have fathomed or imagined where you are right now? No, you, not at all. I, I didn't think so. I was just wondering. No, there's, there's no way I could have imagined this because I felt like I was worthless. Man. I felt like I had no value. And you know what's crazy is as I as I'm older now and I look back on it, I go, I was never an atheist. I I I would say I was, and maybe I didn't even understand what it really meant back then. It was just cool to say I was an atheist to all of my friends, you know, as a way to rebel and you know um, that kind of thing. But as I'm older, I always have a sad. I always say I don't believe in atheists. Um, because like, how can you know that there is absolutely no God? I was agnostic. I didn't know whether there was a God or not. Like, you know, but I would say I was atheist, but really I just didn't know if there was a God more, more than that. I thought if there was a God, what would he want with a worthless drug addict like me? If there really is this holy God. Right. Did you ever have this? Um, let me just, we'll cut this out, but did you ever have this feeling like though, that there was more though, that like you knew somehow oh, yeah. some way it was going to get better. You just knew, but you oh, didn't know how. well, I never knew it was going to get better uh, at all. Like, so no, no, I didn't. Okay. I didn't ever thought it was going to get better. I thought I was going to end up dying, but I told my mom, I probably wouldn't make it to 22 years old. Wow. And I knew that I would die before then. Mm. And like, I, that was how I felt. So I never, never thought that. And at 22, I made the decision to take my life. And in the back of an ambulance, I felt the hand of God and I gave my life to Jesus in the back of an ambulance, not being able to speak with my mouth. I had tubes and wires and stuff, but, but in the back of an ambulance, I felt, I felt the hand of God. And I got to be real clear about this because I know that there are viewers and listeners that, you know, it's, they hear, yeah, the big man upstairs or the big pie in the sky. Well, I'm not talking about that. I'm not talking about your higher power, you know, shouts out to, you know, uh, you know, no disrespect and, and, and that kind of thing. I'm talking about an encounter with a living God, not a doorknob being my higher power or a cactus being my higher power. I'm just going to be real. And I know it's going to offend people. I was a drug addict with no hope in my life. I'm one of you. So don't trip. All right. I'm telling you like it is. I did all of that. And 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 I was still empty. You you know that you can be sober and still empty. You can be sober and still hate yourself. And 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 I had an encounter with Jesus. Not 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 a higher power, not the big man upstairs, not rub the fat Buddha, not None of that stuff. I'm talking about Jesus Christ of Nazareth. I want to be clear about this. I had an encounter with him, but I used to go to these meetings and I would go because I was court ordered or whatever. And I'd see someone get up and they'd say, yeah, my name's Michael and I'm a drug addict or I'm, I'm an alcoholic or whatever. And, um, yeah, today sucked. I, um, uh, <laughs> my wife left, um, I lost my job. 
My car has no gas. Honestly, I don't, I've felt like taking my own life pretty much throughout the day, but Hey, by the grace of my higher power, I, uh, I didn't use today. So, and then you go, Oh, thank you, Michael. Or thank you, Bobby. Or thank you. And I'm sitting in that meeting going, dude, you should have drank something, bro. Like seriously, like if your life is still that bad, at least get high. Right. I mean, I know that's going to offend people watching this. I don't even care. I'm just telling you like it is, dude, why would I want to go and do the same thing that you're doing and feel, I already feel that empty. Like, give me something I can look forward to. Now I got to feel empty and not have anything to numb it? Nah, dude. I want to know that there is really a living God who can change my life, and I don't have to feel that empty anymore. And I can be completely clean and sober and happy. And that's what I was looking for. And I had an encounter with Jesus, and he wrecked me in a good way, changed my life. Dang. It's, it's fascinating to hear like when people see you on stage they're like oh you know he's he's joe rojas you know the great and mighty from uh seventh day slumber and they a lot of them i don't think they're saying that bro that's what i was saying the other night y'all oh, started cool. i'll take your compliment then yeah. y'all were playing what i become and i'm like ah. <laughs> who does pyro in a church come on like we do and yeah. exactly it's it's fascinating though because like I've never done drugs or been to jail by the grace of God. Hallelujah, praise Him. Um, but like yeah. so many people have. But the one thing that we can really relate on is being in that place where you're like, man, I don't even want to be here anymore. I I don't see a purpose in my life. I don't see a reason to live. Like God doesn't want to use me, and that's the mentality I had for so long. Being from a small town, like you don't. A lot of times you don't break out of that, but like. God had a different plan and like he had a different plan in your life. And there's a lot of people that are going to hear this. They're going to be like, man, I feel, I feel like that right now. And yeah. what they, what they need is that encounter with Jesus. And a lot of people hear that and they're like, Oh, that's just a Sunday school answer. But no, like we don't just say it to hear ourselves say it. Like it's a, it's a legitimate thing that happens. Um, when you allow God into your life, like he can take that pain from you. You don't have to self-medicate. Like God can provide the healing and it may be something that you have to learn to live with over time. Like for me, like with panic disorder and having anxiety, like it's not a one and done. Benny Hinn didn't come like slap me in the face. I didn't fall out. It wasn't anything like that. It was learning like, okay, I do have purpose. I do have value and being able to look in the mirror and be like, you know what? I'm a work in progress, but God's got something cool that he wants to do with my life. And sometimes it's just that mindset of like, okay, like when you watch Fixer Upper on HGTV, like they see these houses and they're terrible, ugly, yellow walls, pink, like, and maybe somebody has some pink wall, like, you know what? Forget that. But I would see that as like, oh, we need to change that. And God doesn't even look at us like that. He's like, I want to use that wall exactly the way it is. And for me, like God did that in my life too. And hearing your story and how God's impacted your life, it just adds fuel to the fire, man. Like even getting to see you guys play the other night, like the energy that obviously Weston and Ken and Blaze and yourself bring every single night, it, it's not like a typical rock band. There's obviously something different. And a lot of that difference come through the, comes through the vulnerability of the lyrics. Um, and just to kind of like segue here, I, there was one song on the record that I really want to talk about and it's Halos. 
Um, yeah, the one that Apple Music put on the worship playlist. I hope some worship uh, people went yeah. from listening to Reckless Love to hear it. Like, that's exactly <laughs> what happened. But Spotify did it too. <laughs> dude, it's because it's a banger and God wanted people to hear it. But that song has a lot of vulnerability in it. And it's come from like not only your experience, but people that you've lost in your life. Um, but from the beginning of the writing process for that song and to what it's obviously become on the record, where did the concept for that come from and how was Halos born? Well, um, Weston, we needed um, one more song to finish out the record. And um, Weston sent us this music that it was just the verse and an intro in the verse. And I thought, wow, that intro is banging. And then that verse just seemed so soothing, but rock and, um, and metal at the same time, if that makes any sense. And, and then he said, Hey, listen, here's an idea that I had musically, but also I'll tell you what I was feeling when I wrote this. And I could almost feel what he was getting ready to say because of the music. That's so weird. Like the art of the music made me feel like what he was getting ready to tell me. And he said, hey, man, this is about not being able to say goodbye to somebody or get to somebody in time because you, you maybe you didn't take the time or you got busy or whatever. And, he, and then he told us that he had been um, living with this thing for a while that he never told anybody that uh, one of our big time supporters, Joe Verdeen, big time supporter of our band. He was on every one of our lives. He was at a lot of our concerts. He's just a big time supporter. Um, but Joe wrote him and was like, asked him a question and uh, just said, Hey, write me back when you get a chance or whatever. But Weston never wrote him back that, uh, that like Weston was going to write him back. And he ended up getting busy doing something else. And then like two days later, Joe died uh, suddenly just, um, it was a health thing, but it, no one, it was unexpected. Mm -hmm. And Weston has been living with that for all this time that he, he actually was going to write him back. And then he's like, nah, I'll just write him back later. And he said his exact words were, I felt like at that point I did, I just didn't want to be bothered with it. Like, and that's a rough thing to, to feel and say and so and then for me i said well man first of all like you know you don't have to carry that burden and um and so anyway but for me it was uh, a friend of mine amy um the semicolon project she was a friend of mine for many years she got saved at a seventh-day slumber concert um and then she you know had issues after that and like had other encounters at different ministries, but um, Seventh Day Slumber was her. That was that was the beginning of it for her, and we were able to speak into her life all these years. I'm the one that told her she should do this, like with the ministry, encouraged her through it, walked her through the tough parts of it, and she started doing really, really amazing. Mm -hmm. And the ministry took off, changed countless lives, still changing lives to this day. And then uh, she uh, just went through a difficult time after that. And uh, my wife and I were trying to help her through it. She called me actually just to tell me what she was going through. And so we prayed. I was on the phone for weeks just with her. And um, I 
made her upset because I actually called the police to her house um, because I thought I was going to lose her that night. And so I wasn't going to be, it wasn't going to be on my watch. And I'm no snitch, but at the same time, I didn't want to lose her. So I sent the police that caused a big problem with her. She was mad at me. And then um, we had a big argument after that, but then um, it calmed down and she uh, texted me. Uh, She really wanted to talk, but I was still upset at the argument because um, she had said some things to me that were really hurtful and, and I didn't write her back. I still have that text message and she's no longer here. So Halos um, is, a, is about that for me. But it means something to a lot of people. It means something different. Somebody that wanted to spend time with a loved one and they just didn't get around to it. And they're like, man. Man, I that's powerful. Yeah. That is, that, I mean, that's a powerful lesson. And I, I, it's so powerful. I had to jump in because, I mean, you're, we need to learn to love and love always and not selectively. Because yeah. you never know. Yeah. And thanks and, for sharing that part. That's that's really moving. And the lyrics in the song, and I know it's not my fault, but I'm so consumed with the thought of your last words, questioning everything, can't reach out now, it's too yeah. late. Yeah. Why is it so hard to say goodbye so long till we meet again? And like I heard the song like before the record was released and I sat on it and than now hearing it again, but hearing it live and hearing the story with it, it was like, uh, I never knew it was about Amy who turns out was a mutual friend. She was the first person to, uh, give young high school Trevor a shot at doing A and R work. And if it weren't for that, like connection, like, I don't know, like I wasn't suicidal at the time or anything, but like, I don't know that I would have been able to, do the career moves that I'm able to do now because I had someone give me a shot and that opened a door and then God just used it to start opening doors. So like her ministry still lives on and um, she impacted my life. She impacted your life. It's she had a global movement project semicolon. Like that was a huge thing. And I remember just um, we had spoken a few days before and then I saw it on CNN, you know, and it was a, that was the first time I'd lost someone um, to suicide. And it's, it's just, it's wild to see like such a light in the community or the world for say, um, still go through those same emotions and still go through the motions with that. And it goes to show like sometimes the loudest voices in this realm are the ones that are struggling the most. And you would just never know about it. Like, uh, you, you think about Robin Williams, like being such a happy go getter on screen, but struggling with depression in that way. And I'm, I'm tired of losing people to suicide. So it's like, what can we do about it? But you're putting your actions forward with, uh, the teen hope line. So like you have this hope line for people to get help 24 seven. Can we touch on that and kind of hear what you're doing and what your plans are? And it's actually what, prompted the recovery tour to happen over the past few months. So what is teen well, hope line and how can these are the, more? this is the, I'm just going to kind of cover that, but well, you can't really see it. I'm getting a ton of, but these yeah. are the messages. Is there any chance you'd be free to talk over the phone for a bit? I'm in real, I'm uh, really in need of it. That was her last text to me. 
So I still have it on my phone. And uh, so I wasn't not paying attention. I was just getting that message. So um, people can see that even now I can't get rid of that message. And I've, I've just recently been able to kind of let go that it's not my fault that that happened. And, and that's the craziest part about it is I do this every day with the teen hope line and throughout the years with teen hope line, we, we help hurting teenagers. The first year that when my wife and I um, took it over, uh, Bill Scott originally started, he's a friend of mine, does a lot of radio stuff out in the industry. Um, and he's actually lives down the road from me, but, um, I became the president of Teen Hope Line, um, years ago. And, and in the first year that we took it over, we ministered to over 50,000 hurting teenagers, uh, through phone and through chat. They could talk to us anonymously. It's just a, a person that cares on the internet that a caring adult, uh, our hope coaches, and so I partnered with Dawson McAllister Ministries, and um, I actually our bu- tour bus is actually parked at Dawson McAllister's building. Um, that they actually built a bus pad for Seventh Day Slumber. So we have a great partnership with Dawson McAllister, and he's passed now, um, but the ministry there. Um, and so we minister to a lot of hurting teenagers, and I've and I've learned over the years. Okay, I can't hold this, but this one hit so close to home that it was hard to let go of this one the way that it happened. I've lost friends to suicide. I almost lost my life to suicide, but, um, you know, family members to suicide. But for some reason, this one I couldn't let go of. And um, and there's a part in that song that says, uh, I can't go on living like this. I've carried the weight now for too long. Um, you know, and it's time to let go. And I think that for everybody watching this, uh, you know, if that's something that you've held on to and it's it's gonna end up killing you inside, and you've got to understand that you you can't fix anybody, but but we can be available to those people, and that's what Teen Hope Line is at www.teenhopeline.com. If you're going through a tough time, you're struggling with anything, you can go talk live to a caring adult at www.teenhopeline.com. You don't even have to give your real name. It, it's through chat. Um, and uh, there'll be somebody that understands your pain. They're not there to see through you. They're there to see you through mm-hmm. and help you through the things, the difficult parts of your life. I don't care if it's something you're scared to tell your parents, if it's something that you're going through that you don't understand about yourself, if it's whatever, anger, uh, bitterness, depression, somebody you just need to talk, hear their, uh, maybe not hear their voice, but see their words and that they care, then teenhopeline.com is your place. That's so good, man. And thank you for taking time to be here and uh, share about not only the music, but about the amazing things that you're doing in the community. And I just want to say from a personal level, thank you for doing the work that you do. Uh, God's using it tremendously. And I'm just thankful to know you, man. It's it's cool to see everything falling into place. And even with Blaze and Weston like coming in and becoming strong powerhouses with Seventh Day Summer, like it's all so encouraging to watch. And uh, even with Rockfest, dude, like y'all are doing some big moves. I know there's going to be some announcements made soon. and yeah. Dude, just keep trucking along. Like you're doing big things, and if nobody else tells you that, which I'm sure they will, I appreciate you. 
Me Thank too, you, man. I appreciate you guys, dude. And I had to be on this. I had to be on this episode. I'm never on on video episodes with uh, Trevor. We have an after show, but <laughs> I had to be on this episode because you were going to be on here. Dude, yeah. thank y'all so much, man. I'm honored, dude, and uh, I appreciate y'all taking the time to let me get in detail, you know, with some of this stuff. Hopefully, they didn't cut it off after I talked about about to destroy somebody's building. Nah, man. Money back. My mom Nothing needs to get her right. money back, bro. Dude, yeah. mama always got to get her money back. Got to get your money, mama. <laughs> money. Yeah. Nah, my mama. Nah. Exactly. But Seventh Day Summer's new record, Death by Admiration, is out now. You can go stream it everywhere. If you don't want to be cheap, go to SeventhDaySlumber.com. Go get the merch bundles. They've got some amazing merch out there. They got T-shirts, the physical copy of the CDs, um, and everything on their website, which we'll have a link in the description below. Y'all be sure to go check out Brian on social media at EVG Brian Lane across all the boards there. And uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what's next for Seventh Day and Teen Hope Line. And go see Seventh Day Slumber. They're coming to your city most likely. They're about to go on a tour with Cipher Down amongst the Giants, Spoken. Um, who else is going on that? Is that it, right? Yeah. And you guys, obviously. So it's a big. That's tour. such a dope name. Such Dude. a dope name too. Seventh Day Slumber. Dude, I mean, Seventh Day Slumber. It's you think crazy. for that name, they're they're like they're like on the level with corn and stuff. You know what I'm saying? With a K. Like, with a K. That's a whole other level right there, man. Yeah, <laughs> we're gonna keep trucking along, though. We're gonna keep trucking along. Make sure you go check out the Death by Admiration tour. Seventh Day Slumber to Cipher Down. Spoken. And amongst the giants coming to a city near you, seventhdayslumber.com. All your info. Heck yeah. Amen. Oh, awesome. This episode has been brought to you by the Whosoevers and now the Teen Hope Line. And we'll talk to you guys next week. Bye now. Have you ever attempted to read the entire Bible? Did you do it, or did you only make it part way? I'm John Stonge, and I host a podcast that will make it possible for you to make it through the entire Bible, one chapter at a time. I've been hosting the Chapter a Day Audio Bible Podcast since 2015, and every single day of the week, I read one chapter of Scripture, then follow that up with a time of prayer. And if you're looking for daily insights and inspiration directly from God's Word, I hope you'll give the Chapter a Day Audio Bible a listen. You can find it at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.